So I gave you a working definition of success last week. And success is having wisdom and skill. Listen, listen. It's having wisdom and skill to do life in such a way that honors God and glorifies God. So a person who says, I'm walking in success, what they're actually saying is the wisdom of God and the skill set that God inspires is now taking root inside of my heart, and I'm walking in a way that honors him. Success is not based on stats and numbers and all that. that. That's fleeting. So we also said that success is when you're faithfully using all of the gifts, the abilities, the talents, the opportunities that God's given you to advance the kingdom of God. So a person who is successful is advancing the causes and the kingdom of God. It's not about your personal agenda. It's not about your strategies. It's all about the things of God. That, that's success. Now, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Now, some evangelicals would say the word fear is not, it's not talking about being scared of God. It's all just about this reverence toward God. I would say you, you, you need to be careful. There's a holy fear that God places inside of us. It was the fear of God based on knowing that God was not only a God of love, but he was also a God of wrath that drove me initially to my knees. I didn't want to stand before this holy God living in the cesspool of my sin. It's reverence, but it's also this holy awe. I, I, I don't want to mess with that God. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So how would you define the fear of God? It would be this. It's having the proper knowledge of who God is. It's not reducing God down to manageable terms. It's not shrinking him down to what we want him to be. True Fear of the Lord is knowing God for who he is. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just. He, 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 he is a, a loving yet wrathful God. He showers us with grace and mercy, but he will also come down and sentence. People say, yeah, that's the God of the Old Testament. We'll deal with Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira go boots up because they lied to the Holy Spirit. The attributes of God didn't die when Jesus was crucified. Now, the fear of God for me means you have decided that knowing God, embracing God, is more important than anything else in this life. So a person that says, I fear God, what they're saying to me, Trevor, is knowing God, enjoying God, totally surrendering to God, chasing after the heart of God is the most important thing you can do in life. The fear of God recognizes that life is designed by someone other than you. Let me say this again. When I fear God, I recognize that the world, the, the people I meet, this cosmic kind of place that I dwell in, it was designed by somebody other than me, which implies there is a God. I am not him I desperately need him to call the shots 24-7. One of the the great awakenings of the soul is to come to the realization and the the illumination that you don't know everything. 
that you don't have all the answers, that I don't have all the answers. Then I start to recognize that before there can be a design, there has to be a designer. And before there can be this created, there has to be a creator. Where did it all come from? I start to bow. Listen to what David said in Psalm 39. I'm an alien. I can't make it in this life without you. I don't have a clue. I need you bad, God. This is David that writes the majority of the Psalms saying, I don't have a clue without you. Moses in Exodus 33 said, I'm not going to make one more move unless I know that you're with me. These are two of the Old Testament uh, patriarchs, if you will. They're like, I'm not going to move unless I know you're with me. Now, let me give you this. The foundation of success. I want you to see this. The foundation of success is being so desperately dependent on the presence of God, the perspective of God, the power of God, that your life is shaped by your continual need for him. Did you, did you get this? The foundation of success, the pillars of success, is when you get to a place that you're so desperately dependent upon the presence and power and perspective of God that you know that your life is being shaped by your continual need for him. You plug in and you don't want to unplug. Now, how many of y'all are convinced that that definition right there is true? How many of y'all are convinced that's true? Okay, here's what I would say, though. Here's what I would say. If I'm convinced that that's true, desperation, dependence, staying plugged in, then I would ask this question. If, if you don't read, and if you don't study, and if you don't meditate, and if you don't apply the word of God into your life, I would suggest that you don't believe that. I would suggest that if you don't know the word of God, study the word of God, meditate on the word of God, and implement the word of God into your life, I would say that you are convinced that your knowledge and understanding and ways of doing things are sufficient, if not even superior to God. I have people all the time, I just don't like to read. Now, what you're telling me is you really do like your reasoning more than God's. Well, I just don't have time to study. Now, what you're saying is that you've concluded that even the conclusions that you've come to in the logical reasonings of your own mind are sufficient to do life with. If I really believe that God's word and God's truth, back to Joshua 1, back to Psalm 1, that I'm to meditate, not turn right or left, so that I can have success and prosper wherever I go, that everything hinges on knowing what God has to say, that I'm going to pursue it with all my heart. I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm not just going to placate church. I'm going to say, I've got to know what God says. Come on. Now, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, I have to ask myself this question, how much wisdom and insight do I have? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, how much wisdom and insight based on a theological, not logical perspective do I have? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. The beginning to be Becoming wise 
is to get as much God-style wisdom in you as you can get. You want to live a wise life? Start by gaining wisdom. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give generously to all men. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 3, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise, he must become foolish so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness. The reasonings of man is foolishness. The calculations of how man does life is foolish. So then let no one boast in man. Psalm 118.8, the middle verse of the Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than it is to put confidence in. So true wisdom is knowing and understanding who God is. The person who is wise is pursuing, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. They, they are knowing and understanding who God is. Wisdom is knowing and doing what's right consistently. Wisdom is realizing that as I know him and follow him, I am going to start to see the manifestation of his work in my life so that my life then starts to manifest holiness and purity and love and gentleness and kindness and self-control. Make sense? Because now Christ is anchoring his life in me. Knowledge plus understanding plus timely application will lead to wisdom. I've got to get right knowledge. I've got to get the understanding of what does that mean. Coupled with the right timing, it's going to lead me to wisdom. Now, we would conclude that elevating our own intelligence is useless, right? As Rabbi Patrick Newton said a few months back, that God is smarter than I am. Pretty cool conclusion, right? That Patrick would reach that area of reasoning and realize God's smarter than I am. But can I tell you something? God is smarter than all of us. And so the ways of man and the wisdom of man is foolish compared to knowing God. How do you, how do you think in this area? What is your uh, approach in this area? How do I do business? How do I do parenting? Next week, I'm going to talk about the keys to a successful marriage based on God's paradigm. The, the week after that, I want to talk about uh, keys to effective par uh, parenting. So we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about parenting over the next two weeks. Make sense? Anybody want to win in those areas? Right? So if being smart means that you have the ability to acquire knowledge quickly, being wise means that you forget the things of God slowly. Make sense, Danny? So when I start to get this wisdom of God, what I'm saying is I'm going to forget this stuff slowly. This is the DNA. This is the core of who I am. So here's my resolve. My resolve is to know God. Now, check out your bulletin for these principles here. My resolve is I want to know God. Paul said it in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him, the power of him, the resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed even to the likeness of his death. So how does that happen? One, I will be passionate about what matters. So many of us become passionate about things that don't matter. We become passionate about nonsense stuff. And we end up fighting and arguing and all this stuff at times. And it's like, what, what matters? Vince Lombardi today 
The Lombardi Trophy will be lifted by one of these teams at around 9, 30, 10 o'clock tonight. Lombardi said winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Lombardi, what, what, what are you saying? A lot of people started January 1st. They were going to drop 20 pounds. Anybody? All of a sudden, you can get about three or four weeks in and going, hey, hey, how you doing with that eating plan? Because I saw you stop at Ronnie McDee's and come in with that little egg McMuffin and that cheese dripping off of it that's not even real, and you were sucking it down like a champ. How you doing? Doing good, brother. What do you mean you're doing good? Well, last Wednesday, I had a salad. <laughs> you're not going to lose weight by doing it once every 21 meals. The whole principle of becoming passionate about what matters is it has to be the theme and the thread of your story every day. Paul would say in Philippians 1.12, incarcerated, locked up, I want you to know that my circumstances are turning out for the greater progress of the gospel. What are you saying, Paul? My circumstances are turning out for the greater progress of the gospel? Yes. The gospel is what matters. Repenting and coming to faith in Christ, that's what matters. Walking with Jesus, the gospel is my life. That's what matters. Preaching it to these praetorian guards that I'm chained up to, that's all that matters. What matters? And so if you're going to live a successful life, you've got to to determine, God, what matters to you? And then you plug into it and you stay with it. Number two, I will exercise discipline Daily. You've got to do it daily. You can't work out once a month. You can't train for a 5K by running every other Sunday. You would go, no, that wouldn't make any. You can't train to be godly without becoming disciplined daily. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Train yourself to be godliness, uh, to be godly. The word Discipline, gumnaza in the Greek means to spiritually sweat it out every day. It's like you get into the word every day. You get into prayer every day. You seek and press into God every day. When that starts to happen, you start to discipline and train yourself to become what God wants you to be. Makes sense. Hebrews 12, 7 says, learn to endure hardship. He says, it's not going to be easy, but if you discipline yourself daily, you're not going to run from adversity. You can persevere. You can stay with it. Three, I will be committed and focused. I'm going to stay committed and focused on what matters before God. Lombardi again said, the quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of what field of work they're involved in. Colossians 3, whatever you do, do heartily unto the Lord. Paul would say in Philippians 3, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm pressing into Jesus. I'm doing life under the windshield, not the rear view. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing into Christ. I want to win every day. Discipline, focused on what matters. Number four, I'm willing to pay the price. There's a price to be paid if I'm going to live a successful life. What, what, what's the price? Hebrews, Trevor says, throw off everything that hinders you. Throw off anything that would entangle you. Let us lay aside those weights so that we can run the race with endurance set before us. What are you saying? What do I need 
to give up and get rid of in order to be successful? Is there a bad attitude, an unhealthy relationship, uh, a bad habit? What, is, what, what do I have in my life that's hindering me? Sex, alcohol, drug, some, some stuff that's really taking me down right now. Get rid of it. <laughs> a misplaced priority, a personal right, right? I mean, I mean you've got to look going, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm going to get rid of this destructive stuff. I will develop godly character. I start to look at teams and I start to look at the character and I start to look at the core values and the structure and all of them are unique. But God goes, I want to develop character inside of you. I want me leaking out of you. I want to have, I want to have first place and center place inside of you. I'm like, all right, I got to develop character. Remember those who are successful. Come on, write this down. Those who are successful have the courage to risk failure. Those who are successful have the courage to risk failure. One of the craziest things you'll hear in counseling with people in life coaching, especially in the athletic world, I've had guys look at me and say, I've just got this fear of failure. You know what they're telling me? I really don't want to try anything new. I don't want to try anything differently. You know as well as I do that the only way to get better is you've got to risk failing. You've got to press in. I'm scared to stand in front of people and speak. Then stand in front of people and speak. I'm scared to share the gospel with my neighbor. Then share the gospel with your neighbor. If the gospel is what you say is most central in your life, you're going to talk about it. If I stay away from and eliminate what I'm afraid of or what I might fail in, I will never improve and get any better. We were talking the other day. I'm like, man, check out Krista. Up here emceeing, I just love it. Amanda, these two girls have been like emceeing in transition. I'm like, look at y'all. Y'all got it going on. And so Steve Trailer looks at me and says, you know who would be good at that? I'm like, who? He goes, your 13-year-old daughter, Hannah. Oh, how about that one? So Hannah, we'll tell you what Mr. Steve said. Woo, I don't know if I can do that, Dad. <laughs> yeah, you can. Because Krista will do it with you. One of the keys of overcoming your phobias and fears is hanging with somebody that's already done it. Hey, this is going to be a risk for you. Okay, here's what I know. Learn to fail forward. You're going to struggle at times. In this world, you'll have adversity. When I look at it and go, I've got the courage to risk failing, which means... I'm okay with whatever the outcome is. As I walk in to success before God, I've learned this. Don't personalize your failure. Learn from it. Don't allow it to identify or to give you definition of who you are. Also, quit making excuses. Just because something didn't go your way, quit blaming everybody else in your world. If you are quick to make excuses and deflect, I will promise you this. You will not be on my team. Just take responsibility. What happened? Just own it. 
if my kids have heard anything on what belongs to you, homie, don't give me no excuses. Well, I was a little sore today. Am I? Get your butt on the mound and throw the ball. You don't need surgery. You're okay. Learn to work through it. Quit making excuses. Come on, Yolan. You ain't, every day you go out there, some days it's like, man, I got to figure it out. Confront your fears daily. What am I afraid of? I was afraid of needles. Anybody afraid of needles? Man, I used to get so scared thinking, man, they're going, oh, they're going to draw blood. Oh, man, and they're going to do surgery. They're going to stick more than a needle in you. That's going to hurt. I was having knee surgery. I'm like 30 years old going, man, I'm scared of needles. So I get on my knees and I'm like, Lord, please take away my fear of needles. It's just a needle. So I go to have knee surgery, and they're like, all right, man, we're going to tighten you up, and bam, they stick it in there, and I'm like, all right, here we go. So the guy is pushing me down to the surgery room, and while he's pushing me, I'm talking to him, and the tube that went into the IV got hooked around this bed over here, and I'm going this way, and the and I'm like, oh, dude, that hurt. Now, let me tell you, that hurt coming out a lot more than it did going in. But I'm going to surgery. Now I don't have that in anymore. You got to be kidding me, dude. So he gets me to the place and he cleans all that up. He goes, let me have the other hand. All right, bro, here we go. So he loads me up in this one. And I'm like, all right, good? I'm like, good. All right, we're doing your knee. We need to do an epidural. What does that mean? I'm going to stick a needle in your back. <laughs> what you got dripping in this one over here right now? I just got fluid. I haven't put any drug in it yet. Seriously? So he numbs me up, and I'm like, oh, here we go. So I come out of surgery, and they're like, all right, Doc will be in here in about 10. Everything went well. Bam, took it out. I'm laying there, and he goes, man, you got some arthritic stuff in your knee. And I'm like, really? We need to keep you overnight and drop some antibiotics in you. I'm like, are you serious? Here, dude, we can't go here. We got to go here. <laughs> Have you ever had a fear of something and said, all right, this is crazy? I think I got a fear of bullets too. But anyway... <laughs> But if you ever said, hey, hey, I got to confront my fears. I'm not going to go forward. I used to like blush, you know, just freak out every time I'd see a needle. So I go in the other day and I'm like, all right, take blood every six months. Now I got to check the lipids. Come on, see how we're doing. But I had to overcome that. And you may have fears of standing up for the things of God. You may have fear were you afraid to take that step of getting involved in a small group? Were you afraid to take that step of serving in one of these areas where you could have impact and influence? Were you afraid? Were you afraid that you might fail? You're never going to go any higher than you are unless you take some risk. The other thing would be this. When you do mess up, I admit it. Ma'am, I'll own it. I get back up. Let's do it again. Here's a couple more things. Successful people train their thinking as well as their bodies. The bodies are important to train, but you got to train your thinking. 
successful people understand what their weaknesses are and they get better in those areas. May never be perfect, but you're going to get better. Successful people have vision. They dream of things that haven't been and believe they're possible. I like hanging out with energetic people. I like hanging out with people that take risk, that try something new. So I will choose to embrace a successful life. I, I got some principles right there, but don't miss these. How do I start to embrace this? One, I will believe what God says about me. I will start to believe what God believes about me. I'm loved, I'm accepted, I've got worth, I'm secure, I'm significant. God, I I really do believe you call me your friend. That's who I am. I'm a saint. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. God, I believe what you say about me. Do you believe that God will equip you for any task he gives you? Then why worry? Why worry? Do you believe that you're really more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus? Come on, Trevor, this is basic stuff. But I will not live a successful life if I don't believe what God believes about me. I start to personalize the text. Number two, I start to move into living a successful life when I realize I will be transformed daily. God who began a good work is going to be faithful to perfect his work. I can crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice. It's not about the destiny. It's about the journey. I know where I'm going, but it's going to take work. I mean, and if you're not willing to go through the process of being conformed into the likeness of Christ, you're not going to live a successful life. Ephesians 4, put off your former conduct, which is the old man with its deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness. I got to take off that old, put on the new. I've got to reprogram the way I see life. Three, I will receive God's unconditional love. God loves me unconditionally. When I look across this room, from Antonio here to my left, all the way over here to my right, Hendrix, come on, boys. When I look at you guys, every person in here is loved unconditionally. It doesn't, I'm not looking at one person that God looks at and says, I tell you what, if you gave more, if you served more, I'd love you more. No. I love you unconditionally. I believe when I stand before God one day, Brendan Manning had it right. He's going to look and say, did you really believe I loved you? Now, if I start to walk in that love, I give crazy. If I start to walk in that love, I serve radically. If I start to walk it, the reason people don't give and serve and share is because they don't really believe God totally loves them and God's enough for them. If I ever move into that, he goes, Do you realize I'm all you need? Romans 5, 5, hope does not disappoint. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. How do you have hope? Because I've got love. How did you get love? Because I've got Christ. How? How how did you get to where you're at? It's through the working of the Holy Spirit. Anybody want that? Man, I start to live successful when I go, God loves me unconditionally. I start to live successfully when I know that I'm totally forgiven and clean. I've confessed my sin. He's faithful and just to forgive me and clean me. I get up in the morning and all I hear Abba saying to me is this, you're forgiven and you're clean. Now walk out who I've made you to be. Do we all stain it at times? But all I got to do is say, Lord, I jacked that one up. He goes, you're forgiven. You're clean. 
When we start to walk forgiven and clean, guess what we start to extend to those around us? God loves you. You're forgiven in Christ. God sees you as clean. You're not dirty. Five, I will control my thought life. The devil made me do it, man. That expired a long time ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, listen to me. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 4, whatever is pure, right, holy, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, let your mind dwell on these things. Who holds the keys to your success? Can I tell you something whacked? You do. If I study the word, meditate on the word, consider the things of God that are pure, right, holy, lovely, God says, you've got the key. You're just not walking in them. Now, whose keys are there? They're God's. Whose principles? God's. You've got the key. All you got to do is plug into me. Now, am I self-sufficient? No chance. Where do I find my sufficiency? In my identity in Christ. But when I refuse to get into the word and renew my mind and let God change me, I'm saying I'd rather fail. I'm telling you right now, it, it blew me away that Joshua 1, Psalm 1, Philippians 4, Romans 12, 2 Corinthians 10, all of this, God goes, you want to win? Come to me, dude. You got the key. Just plug it in. Trust me. Change me. Here's another thing I've come to realize. I'm a difference maker. I am a difference maker. When God gave me the Holy Spirit through a personal relationship with Christ of repenting of my sin and placing my faith and confidence in Christ, you know what he said? You're the salt of the earth now. Me? Yeah. You preserve. You add flavor. You make things taste better when you stay plugged into me, when you're trusting my wisdom and my nuggets. I do? Yes. You're the light of the world. I'm sending you into the world to be light in the midst of darkness. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. You are children of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You, you, you are the children of God. You shine as lights in this world. Who shines as lights? The child of God who is plugged in, who realizes the wisdom and, and the nuggets of God, man. That, that's what drives who he is. Does it change you? I'm a difference maker. You know what you are? You're a difference maker. Go live it out. Here's another one. I'm not afraid of adversity. I love adversity. I love tension. I really like tension. I like to push the body. I like to stretch the mind. Adversity is nothing more than seeds that God gives to you to bring about deeper maturation and faith in your journey with him. Adversity is a gift. Tension is a gift. Having to press through is a gift. Having to get back up is a gift. Adversity is not a bad thing. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, tribulation, adversity, but be a good cheer of overcome the world. Hey, you're not going to be conformed to my likeness if you play it safe. 
Ephesians chapter 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Therefore, take the full armor of God so that you can handle the adverse situations you find yourself in. Get the helmet of salvation. Get the breastplate of righteousness. Prepare your feet with peace. Gird your loins with truth. Take the shield of faith. Get the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the only offensive thing you've got, and go out there and do battle. Yeah, I like that. So all of us will sit there later today with our nacho dip and chips. Hopefully, hopefully just sipping on a little water, right? All right, I know where my Boone's Farm crowd is, but, but, but we're going to sip in on water. And you know what we're going to be watching? We're going to be watching guys who are not afraid to take a hit. Those guys are playing today because they're not afraid of adversity. They're not afraid of failing. They're not afraid of getting knocked down. Now, you might watch it because you like commercials, but I like to see how do you respond to tension? How do you respond to setbacks? I love watching how the team, our staff, responds to adversity. I love seeing how my kids respond to adversity. I want to see how you respond because you're telling me so much about your God and you're telling me so much about your faith. Last point. This is what I know. I am an overcomer through Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. You are of God, my children. And greater is he who lives inside of you than he who is in the world. Game changer. When did you start to live a successful life? When I repented. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I started plugging into Jesus only. Started moving and crawling really into success. Effective, fruitful, productive life because it was all about him. Because he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. It's not about you, it's about me. And it was through repentance and faith of pressing into him. And it was then starting to get into the word of God so that I didn't have to reason in the logical, I could reason in the theological. And I didn't have to think in the natural, I could start to think in the supernatural. And God goes, now I want to give you my word, my wisdom, my ways. He goes, now I want you desperately dependent upon me to shape everything you do in life. Apart from Christ, I will never produce any fruit. But as I abide in Christ, based on John 15, he says, you'll produce much fruit. You want to have success? He's like, you got the keys. The key is plugging into me. The key is plugging into my word. The key is plugging into all that I am. It's up to you whether you want to live successfully or whether you want to fail. It's up to you, but we got to reprogram the thinking. We we got to get that heart in line with the way I do life. Make sense? Anybody want to win? Anybody want to win? And I don't care about lifting a trophy, but I care, well done. 
good and faithful servant. You responded to me. You trusted me. You died to you. You took up your cross daily. You sought my word. You sought my will. You sought my ways. Well done. Well done. 